You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. Good morning. Welcome to our first video cast. Thank you for having us in your homes, and we are so excited to worship Jesus with you this morning. We've waited for this day. We're gathered in your name. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire, will burn our hearts with truth. You're the reason we're here, you're the reason we're seeing.
to you, oh, what a savior. God, you are so faithful to us, Lord. We bless your name, God. We bless your name this morning, Lord. Father, thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you for your strength and your comfort, Lord. Father, thank you for your peace, Lord, that no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, Lord, that we have that peace when we look to you that surpasses all understanding. So God, we pray, Lord, that you be glorified through us this morning, Lord God, in the message this morning, Lord God. Speak to your people, Lord God. Speak calm, speak peace, Lord. Let us hear what you have to say to us, Lord God. We thank you, we praise you, in the mighty name of Jesus. Hi, my name is Emma Wilson. I'm the administrator here at Living Word Chapel. I just wanted to welcome you to our service online. Thank you so much for joining us, especially if it's your first time. We just wanted to welcome you and give you a great big virtual hug. Um, we invite you to fill out our connection card. It should be displayed on your screen. Um, we just want to take a minute to connect with you, get to know where you're from, and as well as pray with you about anything that might be going on with you during this season. Here at Living Word Chapel, we celebrate generosity, and it is because of your giving and your faithfulness that we're able to do what we do here at Living Word Chapel. So thank you so much, and we also make it very easy to give. You can do that online, or you can do that through text, and you can even do that through the mail. So thank you once again. And I did want to just remind you that our 25th anniversary celebration has been postponed, but definitely not canceled. We are still working behind the scenes, and we're still excited to be able to celebrate that. It is our hope and prayer that by Easter time, we should all be meeting together again. Now, I want, to I want you to take the next couple of seconds, and since we aren't able to hug person to person, let's text someone that we're thinking about. Let them know that we love them, we're praying for them. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of the service. Hi, Living Word Chapel family and friends and all of you that are joining us for our first ever uh, video cast. Uh, so we're launching this uh, this morning. And uh, I, I want to start out uh, by just praying right now. So if you join me, uh, we'll pray for our country, we'll pray for our president, uh, just for what's going on in our world at this time. So let's go ahead and go to the Lord. Father, thank you for um, allowing us to come together on this, this Sunday morning. We just pray uh, your blessing upon everything that is said and uh, everything that, that is uh, going on in, in our homes and in our hearts. But more than anything, Lord God, we want to pray right now for our country and for our world. We want to pray, Lord, as this coronavirus has, has hit uh, so close and, and so many things that are going on, things that we've never, ever dealt with. I want to pray for our, our president. We, we stand together and pray for President Trump, uh, that you guide him with wisdom and direction, Lord God. Um, be with the, the national leaders as well as state leaders. Father, give them everything they need, Lord, to lead in a way that's going to bring glory to your name and, and uh, bring a lot of good for the people. We also want to pray for all the first responders, Lord, and pray for the, the, the medical teams, 
uh, doctors, physicians, Lord, guard them from any, any uh, harm from this, from this uh, uh, pestilence, Father, and, and, uh, and just, just be with those people that are being laid off right now with just a lot of things going on that we have never seen. And we just pray that, Lord, that there will be faith that will be built in the hearts of people and that, you're, that you will just be the guiding light in this time. So we pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Um, I want to start out by saying God is bigger. God is bigger than anything we face. Uh, at times like today, we see how small we are. And we see that uh, there are things that come upon us that, uh, that we have no idea how to overcome and how to navigate through. Um, and it helps us to understand that also this series that I began seven weeks ago titled Dear Church, uh, never did I imagine that the world around us would be in the state that it is in at this present time with this coronavirus we have natural disasters that, that come upon the earth, like earthquakes and tornadoes, uh, tsunamis and uh, hurricanes. And these natural disasters, they terrorize and they paralyze a part of the world. But they are always in a localized area. We'll say things like that tornado that hit in, uh, in Arkansas or Missouri. Uh, did you hear about that? And, you know... I feel for the people, or we hear about a volcano that might have happened in the islands, and, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it, and we'll say we, we feel for the people. Um, or or uh, hurricanes that hit the coast, uh, whether it's the eastern coast or the western coast, and, and, and you know, we'll, we'll take a step back and we'll say we feel for these people. But now we have this microorganism that's come upon our, our, our world, and uh, it's not just localized, it's global. And it's brought, brought panic, it's brought terror, it's brought chaos uh, to the world around us. It's shut down cities. And I think this series uh, comes at a perfect time. It comes at a time when we can recognize the voice of the Lord saying to us, Dear church, take courage. I'm with you. Uh, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am your peace. And I am your calm. And if you're a child of God, you, you, you might have already been uh, just really uh, feeling this reality that, that God gives us a peace that surpasses all understanding. He gives us what we need for whatever time that we're in. And I also believe that he's saying, dear church, I need for you to be the peace and the calm uh, in the world around you, in your peers, at, uh, in your homes, uh, or with your peers. You need to be that peace and that calm that can, that can bring resolve uh, to, to the people that, that don't have that. And, uh, and so it helps us to, to really go back to the historical context of where we're at in this series. We've been talking about the, the letters that were written to the early church. The Apostle John was given this mandate and uh, was given this revelation uh, for him to write to the churches in Asia Minor. And uh, they were in uh, troublesome times as well. Um, it wasn't the coronavirus, but it was times of difficulty and persecution and, uh, and, and things that they were facing that, that he was speaking into their, into their lives and saying, I'm with you, and these are the things that I see. And so I, I wanted us to have this premise as we've gone through this series that we weren't going to really dial in on 
any major view of eschatology. That's the study of end times. And there's uh, four major views on the end times. And, and that is not my goal here, is to go with one or the other, uh, because there's great scholarship. There's wonderful theologians that have views on each one. Uh, and uh, there's disagreements. But the book of Revelation was not written to, uh, to bring the, the division. It was written to unite God's people. And so the thrust has been... How do we bring unity? And there's one thing that we agree upon. Uh, the, the thing we agree upon is that just like Jesus ascended to heaven, he's going to come back. And uh, when he comes back, he's going to come like a thief in the night. And so all of us need to be ready. And the one thing that I've said is, is there's attitudes that we should have as, as Christ followers. And these attitudes, I, I, I see seven of them that we've been, we've been looking at as we go through each letter and uh, each city of where the churches were that the Apostle John was, was writing to. Uh, and so we've been looking at these attitudes every, every week and then looking at the letter. And so uh, if you're new with us today, I would invite you to go to our podcast and you can hear uh, every week and how we've been dealing with different attitudes. Uh, today we're going to look at the, the, the seventh attitude that every follower of Jesus uh, should have and, and the seventh attitude goes along with really where we're at and where we should be uh, before Jesus comes back, whether he comes back tomorrow, next week, a thousand years, whatever that's going to happen. He told his disciples that they should be proclaiming the gospel. We should be sharing the good news. And that's what church is all about. Church is not about someone pounding you over the head with a Bible or someone telling you how bad you are. Uh, uh, the church is... The, the, the messengers of the greatest news there is known to mankind. In fact, the greatest gift that we could ever give someone is to lead them into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The gift that I would like to give to you, everyone that's listening, is, is to lead you into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because there is nothing that I will take with me when I die. I came into this world uh, naked, and, and I will leave this world naked. In other words, I will leave this world with nothing in my hands, except for one thing. I will leave this world with the people that I have been privileged with and blessed with to lead to Christ. And those people will go to heaven. And so that's what, what God wants us to, to really understand is of first importance, especially in the day that we're living in. What people need right now, they need hope. They need, they need comfort. They need grace. And you can't find hope in this world. You can't find grace in this world. You can't find the compassion of God in this world. You only find it in Jesus. And so right before Jesus ascended, I, I want to go to two passages before I, we go into the letter uh, to the uh, Laodicean church. Uh, I, I want for us to, to look at two passages. One, one comes from Jesus' own words to his disciples right before he ascended to the Father. And then the other comes from the Apostle Paul, who was the enemy of the church, who, who, who actually tried to, to disrupt the church of, 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 of Jesus Christ. And yet he got saved and he became the greatest proponent, the greatest missionary, the, the great apostle, uh, Paul. And we'll hear his words. And, and so here's what we find in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 through 11. And it's, it's powerful. Uh, Jesus tells his disciples, he said, 
you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that's what we need right now. We need power. We don't need uh, panic. We need power. He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where they lived. In Jerusalem and in Judea, the, the state and in all uh, uh, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth, it didn't matter where they went, they were going to have power to witness. And that's a good word for us today, that we have power to witness, to, to stand and testify that God is the answer for mankind. It goes on and it says that, uh, uh, you know, you're going to have this power uh, to witness to the ends of the earth, the earth. And then after verse 9, he said this, uh, He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So he ascended to to heaven, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. So here's these two men, angels, that stood beside them. And verse 11 says, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. There's a promise that just as Jesus ascended, he will descend from the clouds for his people. And that is so important for us to, to, to grab a hold of and for us to understand. Now, now Paul comes along, Paul comes along and, and he uh, writes to Timothy, who was a predecessor. He was someone that he mentored in the faith. He would become this, this wonderful pastor. And he writes to Timothy, and he says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead? And this is important. And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. What's the charge? Preach the word. So what you need to hear, what I need to hear, is not everybody's philosophy We need to hear the word, the word that sustains us, the word that grounds us, the word that anchors us no matter what we go through, whether it's coronavirus, whether it's another pestilence, whether it's wars or rumors of wars or whatever we're facing. In season and out of season, he said, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. You can correct In other words, if someone's headed the wrong direction, maybe the Lord's going to speak to you today. Maybe you're headed in the wrong direction. The word will correct us and put us in the right direction. Rebuke. In other words, people don't need to hear what they want to hear. People need to hear what they need to hear. And what we need to hear is what does God say? And then it also says, and encourage. And, And the word of God encourages us. If there's something that I have learned in my 26 years of walking with Jesus Christ is that he continually encourages me whenever the world discourages me. Whenever the enemy of my, of, of my soul discourages me, the word of God encourages me. And it tells me you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. If I am for you, who's going to be against you? And that's exactly what God wants for you to know right now. That if God is for you, there's nothing that can be against you. And that you don't have to have a spirit of fear uh, or, or, or of timidity, but you can have a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Even in these times, that's the word of God that, that does this. It, it brings us into a place of understanding what's important. And now we go to the letter, the last letter that is written to, to the church in Laodicea. 
of all the seven letters to the seven churches, this is the, 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 the letter that comes to Laodicea. And, and we need to understand that Laodicea was a church that was close to Colossae. Uh, Paul wrote to the church uh, uh, of Colossae. He wrote a church called, I mean, a, a, a letter called the Colossians. And uh, in that letter, uh, we find that uh, in, in, in chapter 4, verse 16, he says this, when this letter has been read among you, have it also uh, be read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. So they were in close proximity and, and they were dealing with the same thing. So we see that from the Apostle Paul as well as, as this letter in Revelation. Now that letter to Laodicea has been lost, uh, but we know that it was written because of what Paul says right there. But his emphasis, his emphasis was uh, to the Colossians was that Christ in you is the hope of glory. So when Christ lives in us, uh, his glory lives through us. And, and the reason that's important to us is because they, had, they were battling all kinds of philosophies, all kinds of religions that were ta- trying to take them away from the premise of having God in first place in their life. And you're probably dealing with things that are trying to take God as first place in your life. And when God's not first place in your life, there's a potential that you're going to be led astray. And that you can become lukewarm. That you don't have the same passion, the same refreshing that you have when you walk with God. And, and so as we go to this, um, this letter, I think that's important for us to grab a hold of uh, the historical context to understand what was going on. The other thing that is important about uh, the Laodicea is that it was in the, mi- the, the middle of major trade routes. So these major road systems went through Laodicea. And they, they bought a lot and they sold a lot. And I know most of us were really interested right now. I mean, when we look at this context, did they have toilet paper? That's a good question. Uh, but if they didn't, I, I bet they were looking for it. I bet they were waiting up early to, to, to get to try to find TP or, or, or the meats that they needed. But it helps us to understand how important trade is. And you'll see where, where Jesus will say, come by gold or, or come by the things that you need from me. Uh, they were also very affluent. It was a banking center. Uh, so so you, they had money there. And, and that helps us to understand uh, in America we have, we're blessed. And we have, uh, uh, there's a lot of money that goes through our hands. Uh, and we might think, well, there's not that much money, but go someplace else. Go to another part of the world and just see how rich we are and the stock market where, where it's at it really where people are frantic uh, because of where they're at so we can see that from from uh, the historical context they also were famous for manu- manufacturing this 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 eye uh, ointment that people would come from all over the the the, the region to get this eye ointment and, and and purchase it so that they would be able to have vision and be able to see and, uh, and the last thing we need to know is that there was these, uh, the watering system, uh, they had a form of aqueducts where they would pipe in water w- through these wooden pipes from uh, underground streams, whether they're cold streams or hot streams, and they'd pipe them into the city, and when they got there, if it was a cold stream, when it got to the city, it was warm. And when, if it was a hot stream, when it got to the city, it was lukewarm. And, uh, and so you'll see that in the verbiage as this letter is going forth, uh, to understand what was going on. So um, let's go ahead and, and uh, go to chapter uh, 3 of Revelation. We're going to read verses 14 through 22. 
I'm reading from the NIV, and it says, To the angel or the messenger of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the amen, the, the so be it, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, you're pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. Now think about it. The church in Laodicea thought they were rich. Now he says, come to me. And, and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and, and salve to put on your eyes or ointment to put on your eyes so that you will be able to see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest and repent or turn, turn away, turn around. Here I am, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and I sat down with my father on his throne, whoever has ears, <clears throat> let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. I want to talk about four takeaways that we can have from this letter to the church in Laodicea. Uh, the first takeaway is that God has never called his church to be lukewarm. God never called us to be lukewarm. And the reason for this is simple. When we are luke lukewarm, it's not appealing. It's not effective. Just like when, when you go to your favorite restaurant or you go to your favorite uh, place to get your, your drinks of choice... Uh, is ineffective if they serve anything that's lukewarm. I don't go to Starbucks or I don't go to Dunkin', uh, Dunkin' Donuts or better yet to the Living Word Chapel Cafe to get a lukewarm drink. I go and I get a, in the hottest of, of hot days, I love an ice macchiato. In the cold uh, days of winter, you know we have a lot of cold days in Arizona, like three weeks of cold days, but in those, in those cold days, I, I go and get a, a hot uh, a drink, a hot macchiato or whatever. And if they bring me something that is lukewarm, guess what I'll do? I'll send it back. I'll say, you know what? I, I wanted a hot macchiato or I wanted an iced drink because that's effective. That's going to make me feel better. You don't go and get a meal. Uh, you know, I never order my, my favorite meal of tacos and, and beans and rice and they bring it to me lukewarm, not hot and not cold. I don't want that. I'll send it back. Or, or comfort food, you know, your ribs or whatever it is. You want it to be at the temperature that it's supposed to be. And that's how Christians are supposed to be. Christians are supposed to be at a temperature where you're going to make a difference in your world. Where you're going to make a difference in people's lives. You're going to make a difference in your families. You know, if you're a lukewarm Christian, you're not doing any good for your family. You're not doing any good. And that's the most important part right there. But you're not doing any good for your neighbors. We're not doing any good for, for, uh, for our world. Because all you're interested in is yourself. And that's the whole thrust of what Jesus was saying. He said, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold. Now, notice that. He doesn't say hot or cold is a bad thing. What he says is that lukewarm 
is a bad thing. He says, I will spit you out of my mouth. Why would Jesus say that? I think it's so uh, visible in the text. When a church or an individual says these key words, I, I'm, or I've, you find yourself becoming lukewarm. Jesus said to the, or Jesus wrote to the church and he said, you say, I'm rich. In other words, you're rich in your own opinion. You're rich in your own wealth. But I understand that outside of Christ, I'm wretched and I'm poor. That there's nothing good in me. And, and, and the church needs to understand that we are desperately poor without God. No matter what we have, you know, uh, in our buildings, the building's not the church. The people are the church. The buildings don't have an attitude. They'll, they'll, they'll dress up the way you dress it up. The block and the mortar will be put up the way the people put it up. They, ha- they don't have an attitude, but the people in the church have an attitude. And if our attitude is telling people, and more importantly, God, I'm rich, we're in a bad place, and we need a wake-up call. And so Jesus says, you're not rich without me. The, the, the second thing that we see in Scripture is, is, is it says, or, or Jesus writes to the church, and he says, you say, I've prospered. I've, I've made myself successful. Look at what we've done as a church. Look at what we've acquired. That's why we have to be so careful not to think or imagine that we have anything to do with all the good things that are happening in our church. The good things are a testimony to God. And when the bad things come, it's when we go before the Lord and we say, we need you and thank you for the good and the bad. That's what Job did when his wife said, do you still hold on to your integrity? Curse God and die. And Job, who was God's man, said, should I curse God when when things go bad and praise him when things go good? And, and, And we need to understand that our success, beloved, is never based on us. Our success is always based on God. And here's one very important thing. That our success looks a lot different from his lens. When we think we're successful, maybe we're not. When we're going through the most difficult of times, when we're, when we're at that place that we think, how am I going to make it through today? Jesus says, I'm going to give you success. You are successful. You're not defined by your present condition. You're not defined by, by this present circumstance. We're not defined by the coronavirus. We're defined by being people of God. And there's nothing that will be uh, formed against us that will prosper. There will be nothing that will come at us that will be able to sustain the power of the living God that dwells within us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So it helps us to understand that the, 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 third, the third thing that is vital is that uh, you know, Jesus emphasizes to them and to us. He says, you say, I need nothing. And so many of us, especially in America, and, I, and I, I'm not being critical, I'm speaking to myself, we're so self-reliant 
we're so independent. You know, we, we think that we can do uh, what we do without anybody's help. But what I've come to learn, and I continually learn, is that I cannot do anything without God. I can't. My reliance daily has to be on Jesus. When he taught us to pray, when he taught us to pray, uh, give us this day our daily bread. He's teaching us to rely daily on his provision for whatever we have in our lives. Our jobs, our food, our families, our housing, we can trust the Lord. When, when, we, when we say we rely on God and God alone, he will provide. Here's the second takeaway. God called his church to be refreshing to others. We're called to be refreshing because God is refreshing to us. I love the way that uh, the message paraphrase puts verse 15. It says, it's, it's far better to be cold. And, and, and cold in this context doesn't mean you're cold toward God or you're cold toward people. Cold in this context, I really believe, says you're a refreshing. You're a refreshing to the world around you because God is a refreshing to us. When, when you're not walking with God, you're in a desolate place. You're, you're in a place of dryness. Ezekiel, the prophet in the Old Testament, he went before a valley of dry bones and the son of man spoke to him and said, speak to these dry bones so that they may live. In other words, be a refreshing to this valley so it can bring life into it. Uh, The apostle Peter, as he was preaching to the crowd after Pentecost, he says to them, uh, you know, repent, therefore. In other words, change your mind, change your heart. Repent, therefore, and turn again so that your sins may be blotted out. And when your sins are forgiven and they're taken away from us, look at what happens. It goes on and it says, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing will come in the presence of the Lord. The the, the greatest refreshing that has ever come into my life has come because of Jesus Christ. The greatest refreshing that will come into your life will come because of Jesus Christ. Paul, writing to his good friend Philemon, he says this to him. He says, I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints, the saints being God's people, have been refreshed through you. Think about that. Philemon, I I find so much joy and so much love when I think about you because all of God's people have been refreshed because of you. You cannot refresh people if you're lukewarm. You need the the refreshing of the Lord in, in your life. You need to hold on to that refreshing, and then you need to give it out to others. This is a very important time for the church. When everyone is, is so anxious, when everyone is so distraught, when our world is so desolate, we are the refreshing of God to our world. We are the refreshing of God to our church. That's why it's so important, beloved. This is vital 
We're not in a building, but we don't have to be. You're in your home, but you're still the church. Wherever you're at, if you're, if you're driving right now, you're on the podcast, listening to the podcast, hopefully you're not watching the video cast. Uh, you're the refreshing of God. God wants to refresh you so that you can be a refreshing to others. Here, here's takeaway number three. God called his church to be a comfort to others. I, a hot drink brings comfort. There's comfort food. I talked about that. Ribs. You always have to put enchiladas and tacos and, uh, you know, chili rellenos. Comfort. It sticks to the rib. It, it, it's, it's that kind of hot food. Uh, and, and, and just like a baby, if you, babies don't lie about what they put in their mouth. A baby, if you put something in their mouth that they don't like, guess what they're going to do? They're going to spit it out. But when you have this, this hot, savoring drink or this hot, savoring, soothing, comforting food, it does something. It relaxes you. It soothes you. And that's why, why Jesus tells his people in Laodicea and in Oracle and in Kearney and in Tucson and in Phoenix and wherever you're at in Nevada or New Mexico, he says, it's far better to be hot. It's far better. Because I, I, love, I love a hot drink. I, I love sitting with, with my wife and Shauna and for us to sit with a hot cup of coffee in the morning and we talk and then we pray and we have wonderful mornings or, or at night we sit down and we have a hot glass of tea and we kind of just rest our hearts and our souls. And that's exactly what the church is supposed to be. People should be able to come amongst God's people and find comfort. And we should be that, that source of, of solace, that source of relaxation, that source of encouragement, that source of comfort in all the chaos that we have all around us. The Apostle Paul again helps us here when he wrote to uh, the Corinthians in his second letter, uh, in chapter 7, verse 5, he says this. When we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. Think about it. We had no rest. There was, there was chaos. We were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. Here's the Apostle Paul talking. Conflicts on the outside. Everywhere I went, there was, I was conflicted. On the outside, and within anxiety and fear and all these things. And then he says in verse 6, But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. That's important, beloved. So a, a, a person in the church came to Paul and his companions, and he brought the comfort of God. It doesn't stop there. It says, And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort that you, Corinthians, had given to him. You, church in Oracle, have given to him. You, church in Kearney, have given to him. 
You, church, that you're in your home right now in Seminole. You, church, that you are in your home in Oracle. You, church, that you're in your home in Dudleyville. You, church, you're in your home in, in, in Kearney, or you're in your home in Hayden, or you're in your home in, 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 in uh, Saddlebrook Ranch, or you're in your home in Eagle Crest, or you're in your home wherever you're at. You are the comfort because you're hot for God. And he's hot for you. He's passionate about you. And here's the last takeaway. It's the most important one. They're all important, but this is the most important. Jesus, he still stands at the door and he knocks. Jesus, he still stands on the door of your heart and he knocks. And I, I think that God allows situations and circumstances. So, so this coronavirus, it does, it, it's not like God said, you know, it, God is saying up in heaven, what is going on? What, what's, what's going to happen? Nothing surprises God. God's in, God's in control. But when, when circumstances, when, when, when situations, when they come into our life, they pave the way for the knock at the door of our heart. This present situation that we're dealing with is a pathway for God to knock on the door of your heart. Because maybe, just maybe, just maybe it's one time that you'll stop and you'll pause and you'll hear the sweet knock of Jesus in your life. And maybe, just maybe, my prayer is maybe that you open up the door of your heart and your life to Jesus at this time. Because he said this, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone, that's important, anyone, woman, man, Republican, Democrat, independent, whatever ethnicity, it doesn't matter who you are, he knocks on the door of your heart. And he goes on. If anyone hears my voice, you need to know this is the voice of Christ saying, hey, I want to come in. And opens the door, I will come in to them. I will come in to him or to her. And when Jesus comes in to your life, he will bring the refreshing of God. He will bring the, the comfort of God. And he will dine with you. And he will drink with you. And you will never be the same. So my prayer, as I close, my prayer is that if you've never welcomed Jesus into your life, I pray you'll open the door. He's knocking. I'm a part of that, 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 uh, that message that he, he, he's knocking. I'm just a messenger. But maybe today you will you'll open the door. And so I want to lead you in a prayer, um, just, a, just a simple prayer, because it's not about being complex. It's about simplicity, the simplicity of the life-changing person of Jesus Christ. And if you want to pray this prayer with me, just follow along and and, uh, and welcome Jesus into your life. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Lord, I'm tired of 
trying to do life on my own and hearing this, this craziness of what's going on in the world, Lord, I, I just pause. I stop. And I hear your knock, Lord Jesus. I hear your knock. And, and, and I, I'm ready. I'm ready to open up the door. I want you to come into my life. I want you to come into my heart. I want you to take over. I want you to take the wheel, Lord. I, I've, I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to navigate life on my own. I'm tired of the, the anxiety. I'm tired of the fears. I'm tired of the, the anger and all the stuff that I have in my heart and in my life. And so I put my trust in you. I put my trust in you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you went to the cross and you died for my sins, so I receive your forgiveness. And I, I believe that you uh, were raised from the dead on the third day, and so I know that you're alive and well and that, that you're going you, you're gonna to secure my future. And so I, I, I choose to follow you today from this day forward in the fellowship of the church. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer. God loves you. You're a child of God. You're in the family. It doesn't matter where you go to church. It matters that you are the church. And today your life changes for good. Uh, we will put down some sources if you want to uh, get a hold of us uh, for prayer or for anything. And, uh, and, and we just want to come alongside and help you on your journey of faith. So there'll be uh, some things on the, uh, a link that you can get a hold of us through email or a phone call or through our website. But God bless you. And just want you to know that God loves you very much.
This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.